Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Matthew chapter number 25. And I want to read two verses. Matthew 25 and verse number 40. And I'm reading from a New King James Version. Matthew 25 and verse number 40. Thank you, Lord. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Let me read that again. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Look down at verse number 45. Then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. When we look at this, um, this is Jesus uh, dealing with the judgment of nations. And so I want to center on this thought today. What you do for them, you do for him. Again, what you do for them, you do for him. When you look back at verse number 31, again, the context is Jesus dealing with uh, um, Gentile nations. It says in verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Stop right there. Whether we know it or not, we have to understand that Jesus, in this context, is not coming as the carpenter. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and there is a judgment. I know, I know. That's a bad word today, so let's change it. There is an evaluation. There's an evaluation coming. All right, it's a judgment, (laughs) all right? And we have to understand that as king, he has the right to judge, he has the authority to judge, and his judgment is righteous. There's a righteous judgment. What I want you to notice about him, he is sitting on the throne. So picture the king Seated, He's sitting on the throne, getting ready from, listen to me, 
from perfect knowledge of everything and everybody getting ready to render a verdict. He seated, he seated on the throne. The next thing you see here is in verse number 32, it says, all nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So we saw in verse number 31 that he's, he's sitting on the throne. When we look at verse, two, verse 32, he's doing some separating. And he's separating, notice, the sheep from the goats. He's separating the sheep from the goats. According to this text, notice that verse 33 says, the sheep are on his right hand. And the goats are on the left. Let me just give you a hint right now. You want to be on the right hand, not on the left. All right? That's just, you know, inside information. Now, please understand that he's seated and he's doing this separating And as he's separating them, you have to understand that the right hand is really the right hand of blessing. You do not approach a king just coming up there saying, I'm here. Do you remember Queen Esther when she had the responsibility of going to the king? She said, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to see the king. She did not know if the scepter would be extended favorably to her. So she wanted the right hand of the king. It's something about the right hand. Do you remember Joseph bringing his sons to Isaac and then wanted to bless them and then Isaac crossed his hands and he began to put the right hand of blessing. So you want to be on the right hand hand. When we look at this again, he's sitting on the throne. He's separating them from one another. And then verse 34, he's saying something. He's getting ready to say something to both groups. He's going to say something to the group on the right, and he's going to say something to the group on the left. He's literally going to give a proclamation. He's going to tell them about a place where they're going. (laughs) And then he's going to talk about the preparation of the place. So let's look at it. He says, the king will say to those on which hand, verse number 34, the right hand. Notice what he, the proclamation, he said, come, you blessed of my father. Come, you blessed of my father. So again, the 
scepter of favor. He's been extending favor to those that are on the right hand. I need you to come. There, see, a lot of times we think very little about coming into the presence of royalty because we don't live in a monarchical society. We disrespect authority. You know, we, we don't understand that. So, but you don't just approach a king, you have to be invited. And he says, come. And then he says, blessed of my father. Imagine when the king blesses you. Come on, say, I'm blessed by the king. He said, blessed of my father. So again, this is the pronouncement. Then he begins to talk about the place. He said, inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom. Come, and I need you now to go ahead and take what's yours. Inherit the kingdom. Do you remember the language over in John chapter 14 when he says, uh, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Generally, we hear that at funerals. <laughs> but but he, he, you, you do realize that there is a place that God has prepared. Amen. I don't know about you, but I think about Jesus being a master carpenter and then knowing me intimately. Can you imagine him being a master carpenter and knowing you intimately? Meaning he knows what you like. He knows how you like it. And Jesus has prepared a place for you. And that's, oh, come on. You got to give him praise for that. And he invites, come. Come, inherit not just this place, inherit the kingdom. In other words, I now invite you to be a part of something greater than you ever dreamed of. Inherit where the king has dominion. Inherit this space, this place where joy will never end. Inherit this place. This space where I rule and super rule, I protect you, I take care of you, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. In other words, finally, I'm getting ready to get you to the place I've longed to get you to. Here is the real paradise. Come on in. Man, come on, y'all. That's good stuff right there. So, he then says, inherit the kingdom, and then he says, notice the preparation. It is prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Wait, 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 wait. Y'all don't, don't run past that. Don't run past it. A place that was prepared before you were even thought about as a person from your mother's perspective and your father's perspective. God had you in mind, and he said, hmm, let me go ahead and build something for them. Before they even show up on the planet, I know they're going to like this. Call out your name. Say it loud. I know they're going to. I know Billy's going to like this one right here. 
Are you understanding? And he said, come, come, inherit this kingdom because it's been prepared for you. Now, keep in mind the context of what we're dealing with. He's actually talking to nations. Now, when we look at this word nations, he's really not talking about like gathering the Germans, the Europeans, the, you know, he's not talking about it like this. Although there will be people groups, he's talking to individual peoples within the nations. So you're not judged corporately, so to speak. He's looking at you as, okay, I'm from Barbados. Come on now, it's your turn. Oh, I'm, I'm, I got some Barbados people in the house. And he said, Je may come on. So, 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 he says, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because this has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Then they're going to ask the question, how did I get here? How did I get the right, Bishop? How did I get, how did I get the right to come? He said, oh, you didn't know? No, I don't know. How did I get the right? He said, let me show you. I was hungry. And you gave me food. I was thirsty. Verse 35. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger. And you took me in. Let me stop right there. Go ahead and say this right here since I got the mic. When you look at Israel's history, Israel was commanded by God to always take in strangers. All right. Let me bring it to our day. Immigrants. They were always commanded to take in immigrants. He's, so that was the stranger. Now, the Im, now let me just tell you, because I'm out there, I believe that we as a, a nation have the responsibility of receiving immigrants. We all were immigrants at one point. Wait, wait, wait. But you got to come through the right door. Don't just show up at my house. Don't just show up at my I look. I look in my car and you sitting in there. I'm serious. So you look and you see that the nation was always commanded in terms of there was always an immigration policy in the Bible, and the Bible calls them strangers. Now, hear what I'm saying. The strangers were not to come in and just do what they wanted to do. If they were going to be a part of Israel, they had to be Israelites. They had to come in and abide by the laws that God gave that nation. So don't come up in here with with was uh, laws contrary to what we've established already. Don't try to get Sharia law up in here. All right. How did we get this place, Lord, that you built for us? I was a stranger and you took me in. And then he said, I was naked and you clothed me. Verse 36, I was 36, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. Let me just say this. Do you notice verse 36? He says, 
I was sick, and he just said, you came to see me. He didn't say you healed me. Just go see some folk. God never gave you the responsibility of healing. He just said, go visit them. You pray for the healing, and don't act like, well, you know, um, I've got healing all up through me. And I can heal it. No, you can't. In and of yourself, you have no healing power. You can't heal a, heal a fly's eyeball. <laughs> Except God breathe through you. But God can now. God can. And so he says, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to see me. Then they, 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 they asked the question, uh, uh, when... Did we see you a stranger? Now, because this is the Lord talking. When did we see you a stranger? When did I see Jesus a stranger? Or when did I see you sick? When did I see you hungry? When did I see you naked? Or when did I see you in prison? When did I see you sick? And he said this, verse 40, inasmuch as you've done it, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Here Again, title of the message, what you do for them, you do for him. What you do for them, you do for him. God is keeping score of what you do for them. Because he says what you do for them. You do for him. And so I, I marvel, I, you know, here we are on All Nations Sunday, and I think about some of the things that's already transpired. They told you part of the testimony, and you know, it's, it, it, if I were to give them the mic, they could tell you, they could talk as long as they were in uh, 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 Uganda because of the experience. There's something about seeing God come on the scene of the lives of people through you. There's something about God using you. And God, can we give them a big hand? Thank you so much. Thank you for your heart. But you need to give yourselves a hand. Let me tell you why. Because had you not given, it wouldn't have happened. Had you not done it, it would not have happened. Listen to me. It is so easy to be self-centered. It is so easy to be so preoccupied with yourself. You are the biggest thing that you ever think about. You know what I'm saying? That you never, ever think about other people. And I want to challenge us today. That one, we're in the spiritual growth campaign, true spirituality. One of the evidences of spiritual maturity is you stop being selfish. You think about others. Amen. The clapping, the hallelujah, and everything go right there. So, he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. 
Now, this is conversation that he's having with the sheep, and they're on the right hand. I told you, with each group, he is giving a proclamation. He's talking about a place, and he's talking about a preparation. So now, he begins to shift the conversation. When we look at verse number 41, then he will say to those on the left hand, look to your left. Not at the person on your left. I just said, look to your left. All right, come back. Come on back. Then he will say to those on the left hand, notice, notice the proclamation. He said here, or the pronouncement, depart from me. Then he calls them cursed. Now, when God blesses, Nobody can reverse it. When God curses, can't reverse that either. He said, depart from me, and they are cursed. He said, you're cursed. And then he tells them their place. You're cursed into everlasting fire. You're cursed into everlasting fire. Stop right there. Anybody ever, you know, been at the stove or something and you burn yourself? You know, see hands flying up. It hurts. This says everlasting fire. Imagine being on fire all the time, all over for the rest of eternity. That's what it's, are we reading the text okay? And he's saying that's a curse. I don't know where people get this mindset, Tommy, it's going to be a party in hell. Somebody said Tupac. I don't know. But, you know, that's crazy. There's going to be no party in hell. It's called it weeping and gnashing of teeth and all those kinds of things. Eternal punishment and cursed. Nothing blessed about going to hell. Put me in hell, baby. You don't know what you're saying. That's crazy. As. Anyway. Some of y'all got it. (laughs) So he said here, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Notice something. Hell, this everlasting fire, was never prepared for man. The text says... Prepared for, verse 41, the devil and his angels. Right? The everlasting fire was prepared for who? The devil and his angels. angels. So, God's saying, well, 
I have to have a place for you if you choose not to be with me. I only got one other option. The choice is yours. And so, so he's saying here, depart from me and this, to this everlasting fire, and it's prepared for the devil and his angels. They're going to ask the questions. These nations are going to ask the questions. These peoples are going to ask the question. Why are we here? What happened? Why did we deserve this? And he said, oh, here's the answer. I was hungry and you gave me no food. And then he said, I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they answer, they answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When, in other words, if we had seen you, we would have done better. We would not have done this. And then he said, wait, wait, wait. He answered, verse 45, and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Verse 46, and these will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Everlasting punishment, eternal life. Nothing about punishment sounds good. That's not a party. Eternal life, good. <laughs> okay? Now, now, so he says here that the issue is what you did to the least of these. I want to challenge us in something. Oftentimes, we see so much, we're bombarded with so much information, we see so many things that what happens is your heart can get calloused, meaning your heart, you can become cold-hearted, and really, I don't care about anybody else. The world now is training us to be so preoccupied with self that others don't even matter. The kingdom, what God wants to do, he said, he didn't, he didn't come for himself. He came for us. And he's sending us not for ourselves, but for others. What you do for them, you do for him. Who is the them that God has placed in your pathway? Who is the them that if you just took a, a little while with them, if you would just wait, 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 personalize them, make them a person rather than an, uh, an, uh, something, an obstacle to your day schedule, rather than an intrusion. Make them a person. Perhaps let them be human for a minute. He said, if you do it to them, you're doing it to him. You do it for them, you're doing it for him. And he is taking note. 
I want to give you uh, basically three things that's going to help us. Because, man, this is a challenge, isn't it? Come on, can we be honest? Three things. What you're going to need to, to, to help us over this hurdle. It's going to, to help us do it for them. First thing you're going to need is compassion. Come on, say compassion. Compassion is, is to sympathize with people who are suffering. It's a, consci- a consciousness of others' distress with a desire to alleviate that distress. So I need compassion. And, and, and you've heard me say this time and time again. It didn't originate with me. But compassion is this. What my eyes see, my heart feels. And what my heart feels, my hand touches. What my eyes see, my heart feels. And what my heart feels, my hand touches. What is unique about compassion is this. God will begin stirring compassion in you for things, and you'll find yourself weeping at things that other people don't weep at. Let me give you an example of something that happened with me. Um, Years ago, we were on vacation. Dr. D and I were on vacation. We were cruising. All right, I'm back. Now... And we happened to um, go to, we were, one of the ports was Jamaica. And so, you know, you, you hear about it. And, and so one of the things I had to do, we, you know, you choose an excursion. <clears throat> and so we went to this excursion, uh, Martha Bray's River Rafting. And somebody said, mm, I know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Mosquitoes, biggest birds. So, bro, we're on our way. We, you know, when you're around the, around the cruise port, everything is beautiful. It looks nice. But we started to drive. And in this bus, I began to see lean-tos, meaning tin shacks. I began to see poverty. I began to see people in dire need. And everybody else on the bus partying, so to speak, I'm weeping. I'm weeping. My eyes saw something. My eyes saw something. I believe it was designed by God because, check this out, fast forward just a few years after that, we had the opportunity to go to do missions in Jamaica. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God will open your eyes. I just want to challenge you today. Let him open your heart to feel again. There has to be compassion. There has to be where you begin to look and feel. You get in the shoes of somebody and you begin to realize I, 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 I need, I, something has to happen. Here's the second thing you need. You need conviction. In addition to compassion, you need conviction. Because the conviction on the inside is this. Where you're persuaded on the inside, not only that it could be done, but that it should be done. Not only that it should be done, but I've got to do it. 
I need to be involved in it. Let God begin to stir your heart. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you and I begin to reach out to people beyond us, amazing things can happen. Your problems begin to be minuscule in the light of what you're doing. You begin to say, God, forgive me for talking about my nails. I couldn't get red hair color. I'm sorry, I mean, you know. I, it, it really just came out, you know what I'm saying. You got yours, though. All right, now, 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 hear this. I want you to hear this. In other words, what you are concerned about is so small in the light of what it is you're facing. Do me a favor. Hold your hands out like this. Just look at it. Just do your fingers like this. Do just, and, and say this with me. Say, God can do, God can do amazing, things amazing things through these hands. Through these hands. Wow, 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 wow. Come on, do it again. God can do amazing things through these hands. Throw them up, throw them up, throw them up. There it is. All right, there we go. Now, 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 so you need compassion. You have to have a conviction, but here's the last thing you need. You need courage. You got to have courage. You got to have courage. Courage is you, you, you're just willing to even do it scared. <laughs> courage, courage. He told Joshua, Joshua, I got a big job for you. I've got a whole land that I have prepared for these people. And I want you to go, take them to this promised land. But you're going to need something. You're going to need strength and you're going to need courage. Courage. I don't need you to be coward. I need you to have courage. I need you to believe me in spite of your own inadequacies, your own ability, what they say, what the people you are facing are saying. I need you to have courage courage. I need you to dare to step out and do something. Need you to be courageous. And so, so he's saying, so, so again, if we're going to, if we're going to do this, what Jesus is saying in terms of to the least of these, it's going to take compassion. It's going to take conviction, but my friend, it's going to take courage. And I'm telling you, you'll be absolutely floored by what God can do through your hands. Come on, say it again. God can do amazing things through my hands. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.